0: It's been a rough 10 days for cryptocurrency markets, including Bitcoin, which took another leg down today and yesterday after the FOMC meeting. Is this a result of the macro and what we're seeing there, or is this a continuation of the contagion from the Binance and Coinbase lawsuits and the increasing enforcement uh, action from the SEC? I've got a great panel today. I'm going to be talking with uh, Steve, Noel, and Dan, all faces you've seen many times about these topics and inevitably... A whole lot more. You guys don't want to miss this. Let's go. What is up everybody? I am Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel. And hit that like button. Yeah, obviously brought up FOMC. Yesterday we did a marathon Twitter Spaces, putting in about six hours after the YouTube stream because it just kind of kept going and we rolled right through FOMC. Got the pause that everyone was expecting, but not necessarily in the manner that a lot of people were hoping for, in my opinion. I think that uh I was having a debate with Rand Nooner that a pause is not a pivot and I told him I was willing to die on the hill that the pause is not a pivot as he argued that it was a pivot. I think most t- people after that meeting are on team pause is not a pivot. I love my those uh, the opinion of our guest today. I'm going to go ahead and bring him right on. Uh, Dan should be here in a few minutes. Listen, I say pause means you can keep tightening and a pivot says you're going in the other direction, right? Have I mean, you, Noel? I see you nodding your head. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, totally right. And let's just backtrack a little bit. A month ago, Scott, the market was saying there was a 0% chance that the Fed was not going to cut rates before the end of the year, 0% chance they were not going to cut rates. And now, of course, they're saying, all right, maybe they're not going to cut rates this year, but they're still expecting rate cuts perhaps in in the uh, beginning of next year. The Fed has said, or they said yesterday, we might raise rights ag- rates again, raise rates. You try saying that fast again. Uh, we, that might... Yeah, we might raise rates. Um, again, within the next few months, the market took them at their word, but he, if you parse his comments, if he doesn't care what he actually said in the press conference, that's not what's going on at all. What they did yesterday was signal that this is not a pivot. As you said, we are not necessarily going to be cutting anytime soon. Read our lips. Take us seriously. We mean it this time. I don't think they will raise again. I'll go on a limb and say that, but they want to convey to the market that they might.
0: Okay. You don't think they'll raise again, but there was the uh, skip heard around the world. Like I said, I dubbed it the uh, Freudian skip. I'm going to trademark that where he said, uh, you know, effectively it slipped out. He said, skip. Well, not a skip, a pause. He backtracked very quickly, which gave people the impression that maybe they're going to go for an every other meeting raise, which he outright dismissed. Of course, but Steve, I mean are you of the same opinion? I was of Noel's opinion hundred percent literally until he said that and it made me think that they might continue I,
2: I would uh, I would even go back and say that um, I've I've been under the belief that the Fed will raise rates uh, again this year maybe a few times and probably into the coming years um, I, I I did not believe that they would were going to raise yesterday. Um, but if you back up and I'll, I'll I'll share with you why I believe that. Uh, You've got two things going on. Number one, you have inflation. Inflation, even though it's come down to only 4% more (laughs) per year, that's still high inflation. And that compounds upon the higher inflation rates that we had over the last two years. Uh, And I also don't believe that inflation is over. Uh, So we still have massive government spending. Uh, We've essentially eliminated our debt ceiling for a period of time. And until the government decides to stop spending more money, we're not going to see a pause in inflation. And the inflation that we have right now is also a result of the last 12 years of easy monetary policy where you had no inflation. It's just taken time to catch up. And that's primarily been through uh, wage increases uh, over the last few years. So inflation is coming again. What we're seeing right now is a reversion to the mean. So we had a really high rate of inflation. Now we've gone to a lower rate of inflation, and we'll probably settle somewhere around seven and eight percent again. Um, I look at the price of oil as one of the indicators. Uh, oil's down pretty low; uh, it's at seventy bucks a barrel, and uh, I, I I do believe we'll probably see a double in the price of oil, if not by the end of the year, if uh, by the second, uh, first quarter of next year. So uh, that higher uh, that that higher price of oil which is really due to supply-demand imbalances, uh, will cause a lot of things to go up. Food, which relies on petroleum to grow, and then, of course, transportation uh, of all goods. So uh, that high rate of inflation will force the Fed
0: to have to raise rates again, along with the increase in government spending. Yeah, and to your point, we're seeing quite a few arguments saying, yes, oil is down, like you said, but that means it's probably more likely to go up, A, but B, the amount that it is down is the reason that cpi is down so much and when you really dig into the other sectors they're not dropping so if oil is the linchpin and goes the other way all of that cpi is going to pivot right back up right i mean noel the other thing i found really interesting in that meeting that you probably heard you can respond to steve was that the fed effectively said we're not going to be buying these treasuries after the debt ceiling right and i thought that was interesting because i was i figured that that might be a exactly who the treasury would be selling those uh, brand new uh, bonds to <laughs> i'd all like all
1: yeah all sorts of things to all sorts of things to pick on there yeah the fed a very clear message that we're not going to be financing the government on this and they also transmit the message that we have to clean up our balance sheet they are going to be continuing with qt i think that is going to be the equivalent of another rate hike if not two but it doesn't mean there actually has to be a rate hike. Totally agree with you, Steve. I think oil price is going to end the year much, much higher. The situation, the supply situation hasn't really changed that much. We might have um, Iran coming online, but I think that's largely discounted. We have probably a very harsh summer ahead of us, which a lot of demand for air conditioning in the winter is fast approaching, happens every year, and the European supply situation has not yet been solved. So unless there is a rapid end to the war, I mean, we can all live in hope, right? I do agree with you there's going to be a supply demand imbalance in oil but here's the big but inflation is going to be largely coming down because of supply chain issues which are quite fragile but getting sorted out more or less sure there are many geopolitical risks that could break them yet again we have potential tension in the south china seas for instance so there's a lot of risk there but right now the the inflation is sticky largely because Not so much of goods purchases, as we know, prices are coming down there, but because of services. And that has largely to do with unemployment, which is going to start to move fast. And a lot of the goods inflation that remains, there is some, is because of supply chain issues that drove the inflation in the first place. It is the barrier to it coming down faster, but that is working its way through the system. So. I think inflation will be coming down slowly, painfully slowly, excruciatingly slowly. No way are we getting to 2%, in my opinion, probably for the next few years. But I think that's going to be enough, combined with the QT, to keep the government cautious, cautious about adding extra strain to the banking system, which is fairly stable for now, but the strains have not gone away. We have commercial real estate lurking in the background with very sharp teeth. And there are strains coming up in the emerging markets, uh, debt as well, that could it could throw the entire financial system into turmoil which the fed does not want so i think we're going to see caution i think it wants the leeway it wants to send the message that it could raise rates so that the animal spirits of the market do not get overconfident like they did for most of the early part of this year but that's why i think nice to have that possibility in their toolbox but i don't think they'll use it that said i'm very pessimistic about the outlook for markets more broadly
0: yeah, I mentioned that we had Nuriel Rabini on yesterday and he made me want to go uh hide in the corner in the fetal position and cry for the next six six months to six Cornish
1: years. Another
0: yeah. But yeah, traditional finance.
2: We, we we've got to, you know, we, we have something we say anytime, you know, that um we talk about Noriel Rabini. Right. Even even a bloke broken clock is right twice
0: a twice Doctor right? Doom. I mean they call him Doctor Doom. You should have heard his I wanna pivot to Bitcoin here a bit. You should have heard his rant. We had the uh, the audacity to ask him about it in the midst of his already dooming gloom about finance, and he went on a five-minute tear.
1: Scott, you are a brave man.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we needed the soundbite, I guess. <laughs> I, I just wanted to refresh on his position. It hasn't gotten any better, to uh, tell you, but what also hasn't gotten any better is Bitcoin's price, right? I, I mean, I think that uh, a lot of people technically have been looking at this 25000 area, myself included, but... Um, because it's where the market made a higher high for the first time after that breakdown from 69,000. Well, it just kind of passed through it. I mean, the day's not over and the week's not over, but it seems that Bitcoin is reacting to everything that's going on. Do you think this little leg down right now, because actually Bitcoin held somewhat stable, I think, through all the Coinbase and Binance, do you think this leg down is macro FOMC fears? Do you think it's Binance? Do you think it's Coinbase? Or do you think it's just everything is pressing down right now?
2: I, th- I think it's all of the above. Um, so. FOMC fears, you know, B- Bitcoin did break the correlation with risk assets uh, earlier this year. Now it's, how we want it. We, <laughs> yeah, that's <now> <laughs> going to become closely related again. And uh, anytime that you've got a market that we have and by the way, whatever, whatever Rubini is saying right now, right now, I'm agreeing with them because I think things are going to get really bad. We're in for a hard landing. And, uh, when that happens, all risk assets begin to behave the same again. So, um, fortunately for us that are, that are investors in Bitcoin, uh, it is already close to the bottom. I don't, I don't know if this price is the absolute bottom, I, you know, but, uh, we are, we're, we're, within a range, you know, we, we could see another 10, 20% leg like down, but that's nothing. I mean, you know, we could see that in one day. Uh, but, uh, but we are, we, we are at the bottom if you're a long-term buyer. This is where I want to be buying it right now and uh and I mentioned earlier that that you know we're buying bonds you know we we run a fund, and when you know bitcoin kind of hit that twenty seven to twenty eight range, we started selling Bitcoin and buying T bills you know yielding six percent so um there there is a buyer out there for uh short term treasuries, and uh we're one of them you know it's a uh, it's you know with an inverted yield curve like we have right now, six percent is amazing you and tether. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, yeah, it's a uh, it's a joke, but I mean, we, we saw the tether made over a billion dollars in a quarter, and that's just because interest rates are high and they're buying short-term bonds, right? So, uh, if it ain't yeah. don't try to fix it. Yeah, Noel Circle,
1: Circle as well is running a, yeah. a very profitable business model right now. But, uh, yeah, no, I am trying to agree with everything that you, you said there, Steve. I'm going to push back slightly on the correlation with risk assets. I don't think that's necessarily going to come back because right now Bitcoin has a lot of headwinds that risk assets don't have. And I don't think interest rates are going to be coming down anytime soon. So I don't think there's going to be that driver of easing from the largest financial market in the world. We're probably going to see some easing in Asia for sure. But there's a lot of other things going on there as well. But I do think Bitcoin is being driven lower by are all the factors that you mentioned, especially, in my opinion, two things that we need to always bear in mind. One, there are structural headwinds against Bitcoin. I'm not just talking about the regulatory uncertainty. That's not necessarily driving the price down. That is keeping the buyers away, though institutions who are the drivers of the price because they move the size they're sitting on the sidelines especially the u.s ones anyway until this blows over and international uh, institutions are getting more involved but they are also waiting for regulatory clarity even here in europe where we have a framework even in hong kong where one is emerging it's still not as clear as many institutions would like so they're still going to probably wait a while longer it's the lack of volume really that i think is the issue here with the institutions sitting on the sideline there are no buyers there are no buyers to offset the selling pressure that we are seeing emerging from a structural player, possibly. It's is saying it's not binance, but there does look to be selling pressure in the market on low volume with no buyers. That's what we're seeing right now. I don't think the coinbase is it, it's an issue directly, but indirectly, and in that until this is sorted out, uh, you know we might as well bide our time. It's not like there's nothing else such as AI. That is a risk asset, so has a bad
0: potential. I was talking to Bill Barheight yesterday. Steve, you might have some color on this because I know that you're pretty close to the mining industry. He said that, uh, right now that seller is the miners. And he's like, he speaks to quite a few of them all over the place. He said, this is a point where based on their levels of profitability and what they think is maybe coming, that they're everything they mine, they're effectively selling right now. They're not holding in this current market. But to his point, he said, that also means that because we're not crashing with that much selling pressure that we see these major whale wallets, the people who hold 1,000, 10,000 Bitcoins, increasing. So retail's gone. All the little fish are sitting on the sidelines, apathetic or depressed. And the miners are selling off majorly, and the huge players are buying. Uh, Steve, does that align with your thinking at all? It, it, it
2: does. I mean, you know, the, the good miners, the, the OGs that have been through multiple cycles, are selling immediately. And uh, it doesn't mean that we're at a top, but it means that we're going down, right? So um, uh, they they usually they usually get it right. And I like to look at I've always looked at that activity um, when I try to form my opinion. Uh, so yeah, I don't I don't really see Bitcoin going up again. Long term buyers, I think this is a great time to buy because you know you you, you might get another ten percent down. Who cares,
0: right? In the, in the long run, if you're uh, if you're holding for a long time, uh, this yeah. Year. I mean, Bitcoin at three hundred thousand 000- dollars. Okay, that's hyperbolic, but yep. if they, you know, in however many years, you don't care if you bought it twenty-two or twenty-five or twenty-seven. Doesn't matter at all, right? Yeah. It's but go ahead. Many
1: people have asked. Many people have asked. I scott, Many people have asked why are the miners selling when energy prices have been coming down and that's their biggest cost? Well, it's actually not necessarily their biggest cost across the board anymore. Most of the expansion of miners was done through debt financing. Rates have been going up. Interest costs are one of the reasons that they have to be selling more than they would otherwise have to.
0: Yeah, and and I think that uh, a lot of them invested massively at the top of the bull market just because that's how the cycles go. Even Fred Thiel from Marathon sort of admitted that to me when I talked to him. They bought all these machines at a price five times more than it is now to scale. And now when they're coming online, price is down, difficulty is at historic highs, which is not something you've seen in previous cycles. So they just need to take profit where they can. right? I think the mining floor right now profitability is still like 17 18 thousand so they're actually making quite a bit of money the big miners right now even with all that said i mean steve is that accurate i think 17 18 ish is what i've heard well it's, it's 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 all over the map but but yes uh i, I agree with both of
2: you it's uh n- n- number one interest costs have gone up um you know nydig loan to basically every miner out there and uh so there's 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 a lot of outstanding debt that's not getting repaid, and there's a lot of outstanding debt that's been anxiously trying to get repaid. Uh, so 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 that's one side of it. And then any reserves, uh, they're not really holding Bitcoin in reserves either because of uh, the expected price um, downturn. So, um, but that that is that is the major cost right now. It's not necessarily energy anymore.
0: I want to dig into this correlation. So I, I was trying to find it while you guys were talking. I, there was a tweet or some sort of. Uh news story but i can't find it but effectively said that now what we've seen is that when stocks tech stocks drop we get a strong correlation with bitcoin going down but when tech stocks are going up we've decorrelated or seeing this high correlation to gold which is like exactly where we don't want to be in theory right but i mean this year alphabet up 38 percent, microsoft 40 percent, apple 46 i mean you get to like meta 117 tesla 138 Nvidia, 191 percent. I mean, these large cap moves in tech to the upside are insane, and they start to dwarf. Now, I mean, we're still up 50 percent on Bitcoin for the year, but that's kind of because we started the year so miserably. So, is this correlate? I mean, is correlation just not even worth talking about anymore, or do you actually think that now we want to cheer against it because when tech comes down, inevitably that's tapped for Bitcoin? Yeah. Well,
2: me and you'd be really quick. Just. Oh yeah. Just, just on the correlation piece, you know, we, we've been uncorrelated for the most part all year, but, um, um, you know, I, I, when the macro economy really, when we really start seeing the pain towards the second half of the year, towards the end of the second half of the year, you know, that's when these, um, that's when these, uh, risk correlations come back. But for the moment, I, I really don't see us that correlated, um, until that, until that event
0: happens. And that event- Which, by the way is clear from you saying you think Bitcoin's effectively bottomed but things are about to get a hell of a lot worse in the world, right? You think tape below correlated if we're going to new lows on stocks and Bitcoin's, you know, uh, ranging.
2: Yeah, even, even in a correlation though, um, you know, if let, let's say that tech stocks go down 30%, you know, and Bitcoin goes down 10, that's 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 still a that's still a correlation, right? Um, I don't think, you know, Bitcoin will go down as much as tech stocks will. Because we've already come down, right? Um, we 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 faced the same situation uh, last year. Uh, you know, Bitcoin kind of led the charge, and then everything else caught up. Uh, and in this case, it'll probably be tech stocks leading the charge, and then Bitcoin catching up. And and, and, and that and that so- event. Sorry. Oh yeah, sorry. That and that event is going to be consumer sentiment.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. That's that's
1: the. Yeah. Really- Correlation itself, though, is a very misunderstood metric. I mean, if you actually look at how it's calculated, it's not just um, the amount of the move that matters. It's also the directionality. And so, to be positively correlated, you need to move in the same direction. Doesn't even doesn't matter quite so much. Be moving by the same amount in the same direction to be negatively correlated. You have to move in opposite directions. And so, basically, we just have no idea anymore what that's going to be. I agree with you, uh, Steve, we're not correlated at the moment. I don't think we will be again, except for on the legs down. But let's face it, that's short term. Another thing I've learned about correlation, having looked at it so closely over the past few years, is that we can fit the correlation timeframe to suit whatever narrative we have in our heads. There's always going to be a number that supports our theory. We do know that when tech stocks go down, Bitcoin's probably going to go down as well because the cohort of holders tends to overlap when you need to exit your positions to meet margin calls on your NVIDIA. You're probably going to sell Bitcoin because you have less losses accumulated there on that particular day. That's why they tend to move there. But again, the risk asset narrative, there are other narratives now driving Bitcoin that again, the risk, the typical risk assets just don't have.
0: Yeah, I laugh when you say, you know, if you need to get liquid, you're going to obviously sell your Bitcoin. The loss is less than that. You could also do that at midnight on Saturday, right? Which you can't do uh, in, the, in the rest of the market, which is an amazing feature of Bitcoin. that's 24-7, 365. But I do think that's why we see that massive correlation.
1: Feature, not a bug. Right?
0: If, you're, if you have an itchy trigger finger, there's only one thing you can sell about uh, half the time. So, Steve, your case obviously is hard landing, right? I I think I I somewhat tend to agree. What does that look like? I mean, timeline-wise, what are you somewhat expecting? Yeah, so
2: right now we have a really interesting situation in the labor markets. Um, A lot of service industry and um, skilled labor, uh, blue-collar labor, uh, there is a demand for labor. Uh, You know, the restaurants are still having issues. Buying food, you know, uh, hiring food servers and cooks, and um, the entire hospitality industry is is really struggling right now, uh, as well as uh, any service industry. As a matter of fact, uh, even going to more of the skilled labor end of of what I'll call the service industry is airline pilots. There's not enough airline pilots uh, to go around, and uh, there's there's actually a um, um, the 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 uh, pilot union is actually. About to uh, get through a uh, a twenty eight percent pay increase, and they can do that right now because there's not enough pilots. So um, so 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 these things are affecting again inflation and and cost in the service industry, while uh, higher most higher paying white collar jobs are um, being cut right now. So a lot of tech jobs, finance jobs, city uh, just announced another. Uh, uh, round of layoffs so so you have higher paying jobs that are where, where you're losing labor and then you've got uh, uh lower paying jobs that still need people and it doesn't necessarily uh it, that doesn't necessarily correlate like you know you're not going to be an accountant and then go start you know doing construction on a, on, on the railroad or or a roadway so so you've got that situation happening right now where there's uh where there's less money flowing through the system. Uh, people are are borrowing more. So so credit, and, and I'm sorry, I've already told Scott earlier, for everybody that's on, I, I just had a tooth pulled. So I'm a little bit, um, you know. You're speaking quite it. well for someone who had a tooth pulled. I wouldn't be <laughs> here. It's hard for me to open my jaw. So, um, so essentially what's happening is we're seeing a lot of jobs cut uh, less money to spend on things, but people are still spending money. And they're spending money on credit, so credit for for so consumer credit is going up, and it will eventually max out. Things are costing more because service, you know, there's not enough service labor. So you know, every time you go to a restaurant, you probably notice uh, the price increases, or go to the grocery store, your grocery bill is higher, and then eventually, of course, you know, gasoline is going to be higher. So um, when all of that comes to fruition, it's going to cause a real drain on consumer sentiment. And we'll probably see that in the fourth quarter of this year. And once you see that, you're gonna see people buying non-discretionary items, or or spending a lot less money on on, on both discretionary and non-discretionary items. And um, eventually what will happen is consumer sentiment will drive the stock market, which which looks at consumer sentiment. And then you'll see a big dump in the stock market as well, uh, along with probably a couple of other rate hikes. So, uh, you know, again, a rotation out of equities into bonds and, uh, and, and a general rotation out of equities probably towards the end of the year. And, and that's probably where we'll start seeing, you know, the, the beginnings of a hard landing.
1: It's also not reflected in the figures yet what you're talking about, Steve. We all know people who have lost their jobs, unfortunately, and yeah, mostly on the white collar level yet. But let's face it, a city executive isn't necessarily going to sign up for unemployment insurance right away. And so we're not seeing the result of that. Sure, it's still a small proportion of the overall workforce, but it's not insignificant, and it will eventually start to show through. We're also seeing pressure at the discount level. Discount retailers have been report they've been issuing earnings warnings, in fact, because they're starting to see even more savings at the lower income level, which says, as you said, that the that consumers are getting worried even at the level, even in the strata that are not necessarily losing their jobs just yet, and even more importantly we have to bear in mind the commercial real estate issues. With offices 50% empty, there is less demand for the restaurants in those downtown areas. There's less demand for the sandwich bars and the hamburger places and the fancy restaurants for those business dinners. And so they, w- those restaurants are eventually going to start closing down and that is also going to start moving the unemployment data. Once unemployment data moves historically, if you look at the chart, it moves fast and it moves fast for the snowball reaction that the bankruptcies and the sentiment of producers.
2: Yeah. No, I'm, 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 I'm seeing all those same things. And, um, and, and, and really just to, I'll just illustrate something really quickly, right? Um, with prices going up, you know, a typical family takes a long time to adjust their spending habits, right? So you're still going to spend the same amount on groceries, or or, or you're still going to buy the same amount of groceries, even though it costs more. You you still have these habits of of spending money that takes a long time to unwind from, and even though prices have gone up, they're still buying the same amount of things, but they're buying it on credit, right? And uh, and and so so right now the uh, the consumer credit cycle is very similar to what it was in two thousand and seven.
0: I made it back alive somehow. I literally lost internet, switched Wi Fi, and somehow the stream kept going. I have no idea, but thank you for holding it. But that said. I missed what you guys were talking about for the last two minutes i'm assuming yeah, it, yeah. did you hear me when i was saying that everything is crowded and seemingly really expensive or was i already gone by that point because that's been yeah, blowing I'm my not. mind yeah no, I I was saying that, yeah i was saying that everywhere i go prices are triple but it's still packed and it seems like everyone's traveling like mad do you feel like though that this is kind of the last hurrah summer everyone's going back to work and accepting that they're going to be in big trouble in the fall and is just trying to enjoy it for this last moment because the consumer spending trillion dollar debt on credit cards seems absolutely insane
1: we're still in revenge spending mode let's face it the pandemic wasn't that Revenge so we're, like, we're still in revenge spending but you know it can turn fast i mean i think as steve was hinting earlier sentiment can be brutal and we haven't even begun to see how the damage that that can do when we start to see downtowns almost empty, restaurants starting to close and the unemployment figures ticking up.
2: And, and I like that term rever- re- revenge spending, because if you look at what happened in 2020, a lot of people lost their jobs, but they continue to spend money because the government bailed them out, right? Uh, there, were, there were a lot of people that were, say, making minimum wage and under the uh, unemployment Benefits that they were getting, then in, in some cases they were making fifty percent more than what they were making before, uh, and that was a large portion of a labor. So there's this mentality that's that's kind of stepped in where it's like, okay, I may have lost my job, but I'll I'll be fine. My daddy will my daddy will bail me out, right? So that's sort of like that. You know, it's 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 kind of a take on your revenge spending. It's like, okay, well, I lost my job, but everything's gonna be fine. You know, uh, I'll, I'll I'll get bailed out. You know, because a lot of people. That, that was their reality just just a few years ago.
1: And also there's the intangible wealth effect. The stock market keeps going up. So we are wealthier. Even with our 401 case. we are wealthier, although we're not because that's not realized yet. But we feel it. So as long as the stock market keeps going up, we're going to continue to feel wealthier. We're going to go to those nice restaurants and those nice holidays. When it turns, though, again, that'll change fast.
0: Yeah, yeah th- I think that uh, maybe on the top end, people are wealthier and doing better than most people suppose. I think that's just the reality. I think wealthy people have continued to stay very wealthy wages have gone up. They still haven't really felt this right. And so those are the people who can do that revenge spending that you're talking about and haven't had a reckoning. And I think it's, so I think it's just a disproportionate where that increased debt is coming from. And the, I I don't think people who are poor and struggling are the ones who are filling up, uh, luxury hotels and first class on airlines.
2: But kind of. I mean, you know, the the, the at wealth their own level, at their own relative so, level. Right. I mean yeah. th- think about this, right? W- remember about remember a year or two ago, there were all these like uh, viral videos going out with these, you know, 22, 23 year old kids that were getting jobs at tech companies and they were like TikToking their day and all they did was sit around and drink smoothies and go get wine and have picnics and that was their work day. Well, how many of those people still have jobs, but still have that. <laughs> that, that 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 expectation of this is the way that life should be right um so i i, I think a lot of people are still they may
0: not have jobs so they're still spending the money yeah i want to talk about altcoins right because we've talked a lot about bitcoin but uh the same sort of sideways reality has not been the case for altcoins especially any that have seemingly been named securities of late the cardano i think i read that 90 percent of holders of cardano now are underwater it's a lot uh matic polygon seeing massive move down solana all really last friday and saturday when we saw that sort of 27 30 percent drop across the board steve listen do you think this is one of those bitcoin dominance phases where all this other stuff dies or flows into bitcoin i have pretty significant concerns around the altcoin market here, even if uh, Bitcoin remains decent, I, look, I've I've always said that most most coins out
2: there are probably securities. Most coins, and there's a lot of them, right? And uh, but but some of the bigger ones that that may have, you know, th- there may be a different opinion on. Um, some of those might some of those might end up being fine. But if you're in the U.S. and you're buying anything other than, I would say, Bitcoin and and Bitcoin like coins that were Created in a similar manner, like Litecoin, is you know that's 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 an example. You know, Litecoin's not a security. It was, you know, it was essentially used the same code as Bitcoin and Bitcoin, Bitcoin. and run. It's 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 it's, it's Bitcoin. So um, I would not be buying any i any altcoins right now. Particularly, you mentioned Cardano. I've I've always thought Cardano was a security, and the way that their foundation runs is is pretty egregious. So, um, you know, that is I, I'm I'm surprised that they're not under you know, a lot more heat, uh, compared to some of these other ones out there. But, um, but I, I wouldn't touch it right now. I mean, I, I would only be, even if you're a trader, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch anything that's not Bitcoin.
1: And even if you do believe in any, in the stories behind any of these coins, there's the structural issue, let's face it. If these altcoins are going to be delisted from large exchanges and the liquidity Dries up, and that just adds another risk factor. So, on a risk reward basis, the investment decisions change. Whatever the narrative might be.
2: Yeah, I mean, like when I was a bond trader, for instance, I, I never traded crap bonds, right? You, you know, the the, the the way the the way the way that I looked at the bond market was: okay, here are all the ones that are safe. I'll trade these, and if I get stuck with one, I'll be fine, right? Just need to hold it long enough until you know uh, it matures. I, I look at. I look at crypto exactly the same way. I'll, I'll I'll trade something as long as I think that it will, you know, still be around in five years uh, or, um, you know, if if I get stuck with a get stuck with a buy, like with Bitcoin, for instance, like, okay, well, you know, I wait, I wait long enough. It'll it'll go back up. But some of some of these other coins, I, I just don't have that kind of conviction. And I'm I'm really, really not interested in trading anything other than Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, but I think what's worth discussing, though, is that we say almost all of these are securities. Right. Uh, which may be likely the case, but why is being a security, such a bad thing in the United States? If you couldn't have ever registered a security. So that means that none of this would have happened. So I'm sympathetic with the projects for launching and seeing what happens, because we all know that there's really no path to register. When did being security become a bad thing? Well, here's where it's a bad thing, right? I mean, if you take
2: something like Cardano, you know, let's just use that as an example. Um, I'm not that sympathetic towards the people that created it because, you know, they essentially created a, a massive war chest for themselves. Uh, they profited, you know, tremendously off of their marketing efforts and, um, they, they essentially issued a security. So, so what happens when, um, you know, the, the, the SEC goes after them, right? I mean, the whole token gets shut down. It doesn't get a second chance. So, um, and there's, and there's several others that are, that are in that boat, um, there's a lot, in my opinion, that aren't securities uh, they, they, they could be deemed as such, but I'm not taking the risk right now.
0: No, what do problem, you think?
1: And the problem with the security issuance is that it's just really, really expensive. Apart from uh, there are many features of the securities laws that just do not uh, align with some of the, the crypto potential. It's the cost. It would deter innovation. It would push innovation offshore, which surely the United States doesn't want. And it would make many of the models that the crypto innovators have been playing with unviable. Security is technically a legal claim on the issuer. A stock is a legal claim on the company. A bond is a legal claim on the debt. It's a legal claim on the issuer and tokens just basically don't work that way. When you're going to start to work on developing tokens that have governance or other utility that can interact with others, smart contracts, it just doesn't work in terms of innovation. Sure, there are many ways for a token to list as a security if they are willing to go through the hoops of signing up, but that also means that there isn't. they would have to trade on a limited subset of platforms. That, again, is not necessarily aligned with how the crypto market has been developing worldwide and it comes down to push one dampening innovation pushing it offshore and in the end it's not going to win because this market is unstoppable because most of the united states doesn't actually most of the world doesn't really care about united states regulation it is going to end up with an imbalance that will be corrected once the united states realizes its error but too late to benefit a lot of the innovation that could be happening within its shores
0: steve you know everybody in this industry in the united states effectively is anybody even considering building new things in the united states right now i mean are there do you have people who are super diehard and are still like yeah we're going to stay we're going to do this or is everybody you're talking to at least hedging and opening an office somewhere and moving offshore
2: every every single person i know is either shutting down or moving offshore
0: unless you're a miner i think i think the mining industry in the us is because they're their data centers those are data centers, according it's to Fred Teal. and they did right. But I mean, that's insane. You said you—I mean, you said everybody. And and what does shutting down look like for these people? I mean, are we talking about funds? I don't think projects that have existing tokens—they're not shutting down, right? They're just hiding. <laughs> I don't even. Yeah, know. You're yeah. Talking I
2: mean, about you're,
0: your token like... project in the U.S. You're—you you
2: should be gone. you you sh- you, sh- you should you should still not be here. You should be somewhere else. And if you're still here, then I, I don't know what you were thinking. Uh, if you're a, if you're, uh, you know, a, a asset manager, uh, that's also really hard. You know, um, a lot of, a lot of funds are moving offshore as well. Um, they're, the only safe places are, I mean, look, you know, we've got like a handful of ETFs and uh, those are, those are pretty safe and that's really about it. I mean, and everybody else I know that even well-established fund managers that are doing anything in crypto. Um, you know, Jan Van Eyck announced a few weeks ago that he's moving into Europe. <laughs> Andreessen.
0: Okay, so I I, I dismiss this Andreessen news as a nothing burger. I've had people push back on me quite a bit. I mean, it feels like if you're going to go anywhere, London's the second worst place to be <laughs> after the United States. So I was surprised that's where they chose to open their office. I thought we'd see Singapore, Dubai, or something like that. But is that? Uh, did I miss something, Noelle? You nodded your head. Like, was that major news in your mind?
1: Yes, it's a very big message. A-16, I was wrong. Was moving into Europe, and that is a very big message to not that the government cares what A16Z does, but it's a very big message to the to the whole innovation culture that A16Z has played a role in supporting throughout. It's um, a wake up call.
2: Well, let's talk it's about moment really like yes, Go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, this because this is important. You know, L- London has has, e- even though New York is the you know finance capital of the world, London has historically been really the financial innovation capital of the world. I mean, in, if you're if you're involved in structured credit, structured notes, any kind of structured securities, you know, London is really the place to be. And uh, given that you know, really this the you know the world of crypto is really alternatives and a uh, an exercise in structured securities. Um, even though, you know, not securities in Europe, uh, that, that really is the place to be. That's, that's where you're going to have the talent. That's where you're going to have, uh, you know, the, 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 the capital market system that will actually support you.
1: And not just even on securities front on the FX front, it's a much bigger international capital than New York is. Singapore is also another very big FX capital. And let's face it. We're not just talking about the subset of securities here. There are many that do think that many crypto assets are types of currencies.
2: That's right. Uh, yeah. Dubai is also rising. I, 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 I give, I give Dubai really high chances
0: of becoming the the global finance capital.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Which is on a geopolitical scale, just mind blowing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the Saudi, the Saudis buying the PGA. I mean, excuse me, a partnership <laughs> between Live and uh, the PGA Tour. Um, but the, that that's not uncommon at this point. It seems like there is a major move towards major organizations at this point, even in the face of the accusations of human rights violations, just going where the money is, right? I mean, money tops. But I I agree with you, Steve. I think Dubai could become the world financial capital, and not just for crypto, which is what I think a lot of people would say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Actually, going back to the whole securities thing in the US, there is a thread that is suggesting that, okay, we're willing to register our securities as a crypto token, if you just make it easier, less expensive, a little bit more streamlined, not quite so You know, we don't need millions of dollars on lawyers' fees for this. But even then, that doesn't solve the problem that the market structure needs some reform. We need to establish what exactly custody is going to play, what role custody is going to play in the new market structure emerging. One of the most exciting things about what's happening now, it's bleak, but it's never been more interesting because finally we're getting some coalesced agreement around the fact that the capital market structure needs to evolve. Crypto markets are likely to play a role in the design of how that's going to go forward because I don't think I've come I haven't come across any government or any large bank that isn't working really hard on getting their heads around tokenized securities. We saw this morning uh, that the, the the South Korea Securities depository is starting to work on a tokenized securities platform. This is not a crypto business. This is a state owned market, very significant market infrastructure.
0: Platform. China as well, right? I mean, isn't China uh, debt on th- Ethereum blockchain? I don't know, remember exactly what it was, but uh, printing bonds or something? Now nah, my brain is so screwed with all the
1: news. On Ethereum, which is just mind blowing. So the advances, the progress on that is astonishing. And the United States is being left behind that the redrawing of capital, of how capital markets work.
0: Hey, Steve, what do you think is next after Binance and Coinbase? Gemini. You think? Yeah. I, I don't see how Gemini even survives. I mean... Is got- Gemini got- even surviving right now? Like, is this kind of a quietly a zombie company at this point? I, I don't really know, but it kind of seems that way from the outside
2: yeah they, they, they don't have too much in in terms of uh of flows at all you don't have too many new customers um they owe a massive debt to uh their what, what was their earn program uh i don't know how their their issue with 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 dcg gets resolved um i mean i d dcg in my opinion in my opinions possibly you know i mean they're already insolvent I, I i really don't know how they're you know continuing to survive in this environment either so um so i don't know how the earned customers from gemini even get paid back so um yeah I, i'm 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 shocked that there's not more
0: action against gemini right now not that i want there to be it's just no, I, I I think we're cheering for no more action, but I think it would be pretty, uh, you have to be pretty blind to think that the SEC is done here.
1: That's right. Although, although I mean, I, I actually deep down, unfortunately, agree with you, but I'm going to push back on that and the theory that the SEC has a very limited budget, very limited bandwidth, and it's bitten off a lot with the, the buying anti, especially the Coinbase. We're going to start seeing the SEC itself getting sued by some of the token issuers tokens have been deemed securities as in, hey, why don't I get a chance to at least defend myself? The SEC, but remember, it has a limited budget and it is trending on eggshells, politically speaking. It doesn't have a lot of friends in the House and even in the Senate that we're probably going to see some wavering of its support there. So politically, will it really want that risk of A, running out of money, B, losing cases publicly? So while, unfortunately, you're probably right, there is an argument to be made for the fact that it's just going to focus on winning what it has on the table at the moment. Here's my
0: theory. Here's my theory, Steve. I think they go after all those people you said are shutting down shop and leaving. I think they're going to go for a bunch of lower hanging fruit that can't defend themselves and will settle just to get a whole bunch of wins that require low bandwidth and not come after huge players right now.
1: And use those wins to finance the next set. Yeah, that would, yeah, and, not.
0: Just, and then they can just and, and use them as precedent, right? Even if they're just settlement, 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 settlement. It's more for these larger cases to have precedents of all these people not fighting back, which they'll say is just sort of, you know, obviously, none of them will admit guilt. But that's what I think will happen. I think now they're now that they've gone after the two biggest possible targets. I think they're just going to get a whole bunch of wins under their belt that take like one lawyer to to, to deal with. Is there a fear of that, Steve? I mean, is that, so you said a lot, everyone's shutting down or leaving. Is that because of fear of the regulator or because they just can't do business here? It's both. I mean, there's, there's fear of the regulator, but there's also their clients or potential
2: clients fear the regulator. Right. So, um, uh, money, you know, I, I I had a, I had a great conversation with a group of, you know, well-known names. Um, you know, uh, about a month ago and, uh, just talk, you know, that, that, that I'll manage money here in the U.S. And uh, there's no inflows from clients coming in right now. It's only outflows. People are only taking their money out of funds. They're not putting their money in funds. So uh, there's there's not only a fear of the regulator from from the company itself, but, uh, you know, if you're a pension fund right now, you're you're looking at the headlights and saying, yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the next, um, you know, Ontario Teachers Union, right? I'm out. Yeah, right. I don't. I don't want that headline risk.
0: What's our bull case, Noelle? How do, where's our uh, unicorns and puppies and ice cream? It's also, like, every conversation I have is so gloomy. I will say though, as a counter indicator, the amount of gloom in every conversation I have maybe gives me a little optimism. Maybe.
1: All right, I'll give you. I'll give you the optimism, and I've been told I'm a perennial optimist, which is actually true. That said, I'm negative short term on the market, but medium term, we need to clear the air. We need the stock market crash to bring the animal spirits back into a more reasonable territory. We need valuations to come down. We need some of the hype to be knocked out of the AI market. We need to clear the air in terms of market sentiment. We also need to clear the air in terms of regulatory support. That will happen with time. Once we are through this really difficult time, then the stage is set for a very interesting crypto evolution. And by that, I mean on the global stage. Let's face it, the United States is hugely important, but it is just one market. It's certainly not the market that crypto was created for. Crypto was created to enable transactions for those that don't want to go through fiat rails. And in much of the world, they don't really have a choice. They don't have reliable fiat rails to go through. In much of the world, they live under fairly autocratic regimes. In much of the world, they are dealing with double-digit inflations. Let's Talk about some currency debasement there. I looked at the Turkish lira the other day. Bitcoin in Turkish lira terms has doubled since the beginning of the year. Now, that is a store of values. So we're starting to see these narratives come to the fore. These narratives are real and hopefully will shut some of the very privileged economists with gray hair that say Bitcoin has no utility, we will shut them up. We'll help them realize that their world is not the only world out there, that Bitcoin does provide the utility. Meanwhile, the technology is marching fast. We're getting Bitcoin layer twos. We're getting new use cases emerging. We're getting Ethereum marching rapidly towards its next upgrade. And let's tip a hat to how successful they've been so far in doing what they said they would do. We're getting new types of layer ones emerging that are offering all sorts of interesting innovations. And we are getting, as I mentioned earlier, rapid development, I would say running towards the goal of a market of liquid tokenized securities. In other words, traditional assets, that has some of the crypto advantages, which opens economic access to people that traditionally have not had it. All of this is really exciting. I've been in this industry for a long time. As you see, I've never been more excited about the actual utility rather than the speculative utility of these assets. So that's the ice cream.
0: Hey Steve, do you want to? I want to leave on a positive note. So do you have any positivity to follow up on? Because I think that was great. Otherwise, we're out of here. And you obviously had dental surgery. <laughs> I, I've got I've got nothing positive to say, but I, I, I do well, agree with that
1: did well. have Dental surgery yesterday, so it's totally understandable.
0: Yeah, but the drugs should you know, you <laughs> a little bit. I, I see. By the way, I don't know if you guys have looked at this. We're definitely talking about it on Spaces. Have you guys seen this Prometheum story? Have you guys seen this at all? I, I, I it it's it, it's yeah, it's coming to I, I'm getting it literally like in flashes from the breaking news and stuff. We'll, we'll talk about it another day. But guys, it, look into the Prometheum story. Basically, it yeah. seems like there's a shell exchange that got fully licensed and then uh, took talking points to the Congress floor directly from the Democrats. And it's insane. Yeah, it's um, Matt, insane.
1: Matt Walsh's tweet thread on this. He's on the cocktail gun they are they are must read.
0: Yeah, uh, if I, yeah, you know what? I'm going to just really quick share my screen so people can see it because I happen to have it here just so you guys can look it up. It's Matt Walsh in BOS and uh, it is absolute insanity. Absolute insanity. I mean, it's an exchange that got fully licensed in the face of Coinbase attempting to, but you actually can't trade anything because none of them have been deemed securities who's giving popular talking points uh, for his support of the SEC and everyone who works there is like an ex-regulator <laughs> <laughs> from one of these companies. It's, it's absolutely insane uh, manipulation. Yeah, but and, guys that, and the message yeah. and
1: the message that crypto exchanges that don't come in and register, it's because they don't want to. I mean, that is not helpful.
0: Well, these guys apparently can do it at, overnight. Uh, I mean, you have to get fully licensed. You can't trade any crypto on this crypto exchange. But hey, yeah. I guess that's...
1: There are, there are a few Matt Walsh threads you have to look up to get the full story about Prometheum. It is just amazing.
0: I'm going to dig into that right now before space is in about 20 minutes. Steve, I hope you feel better. Noel, thank you so much, as always, for joining. Guys, I will, of course, be back tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And now I'm going, hopefully, spaces won't be a six-hour marathon today, So I don't know okay. that I have that in me. But uh, it's been okay, really great having having both of you. Thank, thank you both. And sorry for those tech issues. Thank you for talking amongst yourselves. I thought we were done. thought it was over. <laughs> no. We made it. Thank, thank you, guys. You. See you all tomorrow. Bye. Let's go.
2: Dope.